once you've got some education under your belt and just some experience under your belt and you've worked your way up to a senior designer, you know, you can make anywhere from 80 to $120,000 a year as a senior designer easily in the industry. And then of course, if you're the principal designer or the owner, you know, you're easily in the multiple six figures. Hey everyone, I'm here today with Lindsay, who is an interior designer. Just before the show, I was actually checking out her website and Lindsay, you have a beautifully designed website. So it's a testament to your design eye. Everybody should check it out. LindsayMarillo.com. I'm saying it Marillo instead of the, <laughs> the correct pronunciation of Murillo, but it's spelled M-U-R-I-L-L-O yes. is the last name. So yeah, anybody check out her website. Um, I'm super excited to talk to her today about interior design. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump right into it. I think everybody has an idea of what interior design is, but go ahead and describe it for me in a nutshell. Yeah, well, I think what people think about interior design is really glamorous. So I think when people see the end result, like photos on the cover of you know, Architectural Digest and House Beautiful and, you know, all these kinds of things. They see these Pinterest worthy images and they think, wow, I want to be an interior designer. But let me tell you what, my job is not glamorous at all. <laughs> uh, I spend the majority of my time doing science and math. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. So for anybody who's wondering what do interior designers do, I literally do math and calculations all day. But in a nutshell, if we're talking about interior design, um, there is a science and a mathematical aspect of interior design, right? So when we design a space, it has to be to scale, you know, yes. so I can't, you know, put a sofa that's too large into a living room and, you know, those kinds of things. So I'm constantly doing calculations and math and uh, exhausting my brain in those kinds of ways, right? And <laughs> right. then just the science of color and nature and you know, um, I'm also a certified sustainable interior designer. So bringing those things um, in my design is super important to me. But I think ultimately, as an interior designer, you uh, you inspire people by spaces. So I think that's for me, I, I am a creative person. I'm also a, a business minded person. So I own my own business. I'm not just an interior designer that works for someone. But, um, you know, interior design is in a nutshell, it inspires people just like architecture does, you know, and so it's it's beauty in whether it's a home or a commercial building, a restaurant, a hotel, you know, whatever it might be, it's but it is the interiors of those spaces. And it's really meant to one, reflect the person who lives in the space or owns the space or the brand company. And then two, it's meant to inspire people and people want to feel a certain way when they walk into a space. And so, for example, when I'm working with a client, one of the first things I ask them is how do you want your space to feel yeah. when you're in it? And how do you want your guests to feel when they walk in the door? And based off the feeling they're going for, we design around that. So that might have to do with colors, textures, patterns, sizes, materials, you know, all those kinds of things. Yeah. You really collaborate with them to yeah. find what it is that they're totally. after. I love that. Totally. Yeah. Lindsay, how long have you been doing this? How'd you get into it? That is also a great question. Uh, I was in the health and fitness industry for 20 years. Okay. And um, at the time, five years ago, I was looking for a home in Dallas and I had a realtor friend of mine showing me homes. And every time I walked into a home, I was talking about, well, this is what I'm going to do in here. And this is what I'm going to do in here. And very quickly, the realtor said, would you mind staging a home for me? Um, like you clearly have an eye for, for some of these things. Would you stage a home for me? And I said, hold that thought. Yes, I will. Let me go start a business first. <laughs> um, so I don't have hobbies. I, I start businesses, or I guess my hobby is to start businesses. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, I'm like a 10th entrepreneur, right? I I've owned multiple businesses and I just, I think like that, I think as a business owner. So yes. but let me, let me go start a business real quick. So I started a company called the staging coach and I was doing home staging mostly for realtors and their clients who were getting ready to sell their homes. Yeah. And that only lasted six months because what was happening was the people who were coming in to see the homes were walking in like, who staged this house? And like, would they come to my house? Um, or if I purchased this house, would they come back and help me, you know, design the, my space? Or, I, you know, I know I want to redo the kitchen or, you know, whatever. And so very quickly, 
literally after six months of starting my business back in 2018, it became that 99% of the clientele I was getting was for interior design. And like 1% was like for staging. And then quickly after that, like staging was no more. So I rebranded my business and went from the staging coach to Lindsay Marino interiors. And now here we are today. So I did start my business uh, at the very beginning of, of 2018. That's awesome. How did you get those skills? Did you get any education for it? Was there any training available? How does somebody start from nothing and no real background in design and then get those skills? Yeah. So I think a lot of people think that I'm going to kind of answer this in two ways. Yeah. First of all, I have to give homage to Tetris. because (laughs) Spatial awareness. All right. When we do space planning, let me tell you what, it's like playing Tetris. So we'll take a space that's, you know, let's just say we have a living room that's 15 foot by 20 foot or, you know, whatever. Uh And there's, you know, 10 pieces of furniture that have to fit in there in a certain way. It's like playing Tetris because we use software. We're looking at it from this kind of aerial view and we're fitting these pieces, you know, where they go. So anyways, I have to give respect for all my Tetris playing as a child. So that has really helped me. But also I just, as a kid, I was very naturally drawn to rearranging spaces. So when I was a child, I would rearrange my bedroom like once a month. And then I was constantly redecorating it. And then when I moved into my first home as a single person, um, I would literally for every season, I would completely rearrange my house. And um, so it was like this, this thing that I was naturally doing. And I think one thing that's really important is to start paying attention when you're young to the things that you're naturally gravitating towards. Yes. um, And the things that come easy to you, because those are like key pieces to the way that your brain thinks your gifts and your talents and the way that you see the world. And so for me, spatial awareness is a way that I see the world. And so, you know, if I'm in a restaurant even, and I see a layout, right. And this is even before design, I would say this is horribly laid out for, because I worked in restaurants for many years. This is a horrible layout for the seating. Um, It's not maximizing the space. So I was thinking in that way, even that had nothing to do with interior design. And so that was kind of a, a thing that made it easy for me to transition into interior design, because one of the biggest things that we do is spatial planning and and make scale for space, right? So making sure things fit in a space that, you know, makes sense for that space. So I think it's important to make sure that you're paying attention to the things as you're growing up and as you're developing into an adult, the things that you're naturally drawn to, the things that you're naturally good at. And that could be, that might not even be necessarily a a tangible skill set. It might be communication, right? You might be able to communicate really well and maybe you're meant to be a storyteller, right? Or or an author or something like that, right? So you've got to be paying attention to those kinds of things. So it wasn't just about, well, I think I'm going to go try interior design. There was this like there was a natural had. gravitation towards it already. Yes. Did you read a lot of books and like magazines, Pinterest? Like where, where do you, where did you get those ideas from? No, I did not. Wow. Okay. None. So you're just, na- you just really above. are a natural then. None of the <laughs> above. I, I took no courses. I read no books. I did no classes. I did, like, and this is, I'm not recommending people do this, right? And no, so but it's answer, good to know that it's possible. It's possible. And so this is why I said, I'm going to answer the question in two ways. Like one, Tetris and these things I was naturally gravitated to, but two, um, I'm an entrepreneur. Yes. So I, I have a business of interior design, but I'm first an entrepreneur and a business person. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I might want to get into interior design, you can own your own business or you could work for someone as an interior designer. Um, if you're a, you could also be listening to say, I want nothing to do with interior design of any kind whatsoever, but I'm an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. I do want to own my own business. And so for me, it's kind of like with the staging thing, I wasn't just going to go do this thing that I knew I was good at. I was going to make an opportunity out of that, which in America, a good night, you can literally make an opportunity out of anything. You can throw dust up in the air and create something out of it, you know? And so for me, it was all about, I knew I had a business mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I was an entrepreneur. I'd owned my own business, um, is in the fitness world for many years at that point. I hadn't worked for anyone in a decade. And so for me, it was, I I knew it was going to be a business. So from the entrepreneur side of things, from the business side of things, I knew I had a skill set. Now, whatever that skill set is, here's my skill set. And I'm going to create a business around that. So what I did do, I didn't read books and study up on interior design. What I did do is study business. 
and how do I run an interior design business? So I did take a course on how to run an interior design business because it was an industry I'd never been in before. And I wanted to run my business really well, which now we really do. Yeah. Um, I have a really well-run organization and it was because I studied how to run an interior design business. Cause this is a, this is a world interior design world in the home world is something, I, the things I deal with on a daily basis, you couldn't even imagine, right. It's just <laughs> a whole nother ballpark. Like ask my CPA. She's like, you guys are working with things I can't even right. fathom. Right. So it's not just regular business. There's a lot of other elements but you hire designers too. So it is possible to do this as, you know, to be like one of them where you're not an entrepreneur. That's not really your forte, not what you want to do, but you can actually make a living as an interior designer working for a business that does it. So there's two ways to really kind of work as an interior designer. One, you have a degree and let's say you're not business-minded, but that education and that diploma in interior design, you have skills that I don't have. So I, when I can't do something myself, I'm smart enough to hire that. So I, I don't do my own marketing. Um, I don't do my own taxes. I, I, I mean, I have an entire team. I have a business coach. I have an entire team around me that does the things in their skill set that I don't have. So as an entrepreneur, I have a business of interior design and the places that I don't have skills, I fill those in. Um, And so as an interior designer, if that's something that you're considering doing, you can get a degree in interior design. And let me tell you, it's hard to find a job as an interior designer if you don't have a degree and you don't want to run a business because people like me will not hire you unless you have a degree. Yeah, something to show for it. That skill sets I need in my business that I don't have. So I'm going to hire those skill sets. And I'm not saying you can't get those skill sets outside of the education. It's just going to be a more of an uphill battle that way. It yeah, It really, really is. It really is. So not impossible by any means. Good night. You know, I run a very successful interior design business and I don't have a degree and never yeah. spent a day in the industry before I started it. Right. <laughs> right. So, but then I have several designer friends who are incredibly successful, award-winning, and they also do not have an interior design background, but they have a business background and they have the sense of mind to hire really skilled designers on their team. Yeah, so yeah, there is definitely two ways you can approach that. What tools are you guys using? You mentioned a little bit ago software and a lot mm-hmm. of science and math. I, I yeah. imagine that you're doing some 3D modeling and some of that. What would be some good software or specific tools for somebody who's interested to start playing around with, to learn? Talk to me about that. Yeah, there's actually several. Um, So if you go to school for interior design, you're going to be in the AutoCAD world, right? Because on AutoCAD, you can create literally any and everything. That's the highest level, you know, of software that you could possibly use. We use something. um, So my, the designer on my team does know how to use AutoCAD. Um, She's skilled for that. The, The software we use is Chief Architecture very similar to AutoCAD. Like they're, it's like the sister of AutoCAD. So we use chief architecture. We also use a program called design files where we can put mood boards together and I can run my business from design files. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that I can invoice people. I can, you know, communicate back and forth with clients. So it's a really great portal. But if you're looking to kind of sharpen some skills to create, uh, again, those 3D renderings or some mood boards and things like that, um, there's things like SketchUp, out there and um, HoneyBook. And there's a lot of other things. Like if you just even Google like interior design software, there are several out there. Foyer is out there. Neo is out there. They're all good, but you're going to have to choose the one that is easy for you to learn. Mm -hmm. So I tried several of them myself and my brain doesn't work. Like I couldn't figure out any of them well enough to create my own renderings that were the level of professionalism that I wanted to present to a client. Right. I hired a designer who could. So uh, my brain doesn't work like that. And I ha- as a business owner, I have to acknowledge when my skill set isn't here, I need to fill in for that. But there are several softwares out there available to anybody. And they're, they're very affordable if you're just wanting to start yeah. Just to see, is this something? Cause like, I know people they'll pick up those, that software and they'll pick it up like that. Yeah. Uh, and my brain just doesn't work that way. That's great advice. So Lindsay, let's walk through like a typical Tuesday. If you can, I know obviously every day is a little bit different, but really paint the picture for us. What is day in day out life? Like so that somebody can from a distance peek behind the curtain and see would I enjoy my daily life as yeah. an interior designer or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think if you are interested in this industry, if you could contact a local designer and ask, I don't care what age you are, what, you know, how far along you are in your interest level, but 
if you could ask, could I just sit with you for a day or a week or whatever to see, because there's a lot involved that again, I think people like associate because it's a luxury service, right? Like I, this is a luxury service to, to hire an interior designer. So people think it's very luxurious and glamorous to be in this industry. And, and that's not the case. The, the end result may be, but the work to get there is, is very tedious. It's very detail-oriented. So if you're not detail-oriented, this is not the industry for you. If you get bored easily with little minute you know, constant revisions and changes, this is not the industry for you. So like a typical day, like there, there's constant communication with clients, right? So the first thing I do in the morning is I get into my emails and I find out have, um, has anybody on my team have any needs from me um, over the last 24 hours that I need to respond to? Do any of my um, clients have need of me um, or have they communicated back to me anything in the last 24 hours? And then reps and vendors. So when I'm working on a project, right, like there's several different manufacturers, reps, vendors, and showrooms that we're working with mm-hmm. um, to source our products for, for our projects. And so I may have asked them, you know, for ETAs on all of our products and the like. So anyways, I'm just checking my email to find out where am I at communication back and forth. all my projects. Yep. Yes. That's kind of the first thing I'll do. Then the second thing I'll do is I'll assess every single project that I have. Again, I'm a very well-organized run machine over here. So um, maybe we do a different podcast about business itself, but I have a, a system in place on how to structure my day yeah. um, that I think is incredibly helpful for me. And if I did not have this, uh, I would just kind of be wandering around throughout my day. Not, I wouldn't be efficient. Let's just put it that way. I'm going to pick your brain yes. off mic maybe a little bit at the yeah. end of this. <laughs> uh, I, I run a very efficient schedule yeah. every day and I know what's on my calendar for each day. So, um, so anyways, typical things in the interior design world that you may do on a Tuesday are client communications, rep communications, team communications, kind of that's the first thing I do in the day. Then what I'm going to do is find out what's on my list of things to do today. So those might include, we're doing design time for a project. So I'm, I'm literally shopping projects. Um, and products for a, a client. Finding materials, finding yes. decorations, finding yes. the actual stuff Everything. that's going to go in the space. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Shopping those items, um, getting samples where I can and when I can. Um, so we're constantly filling out orders to get samples sent to us because whenever I'm showing a client a project, I love to have as many samples on hand as I possibly can so they can see, touch, and feel what's going to be going into their space. That's great advice. Um, that might also include going down to, um, you know, here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, we have the World Trade Center and Dallas Market Center Mm -hmm. right here in our backyard. And we have the design district. So we have several great showrooms where I can go in person to look at products. So we do that as well. The majority of our shopping in this industry, believe it or not, is online um, because the showrooms are only so big and they can only carry so many products. And so a lot of times they'll say, this is what's on the showroom, but go online or get the catalog or we'll send you the catalog. So believe it or not, we source a ton of our things online. Now, when I see something online, if I'm going, okay, I, I need to really understand what this is about, they'll send me maybe a sample of the finish or the fabric or something like that so I can really understand it. But the majority of when we're sourcing is kind of done through our, our vendors online. Um, and then we do a lot of custom things. So I might, then I'll always kind of check up on my custom um, product. So I might check in with the workroom to, to find out how the drapes are going or if, you know, that sofa that we designed ourselves that is like really, really specific, we might stop into the workroom and see how that's going along. Um, we might have a team meeting about a project. Um, we work a lot with contractors. We do a ton of remodels. So we do site visits. Um, so we'll go into the home just to make sure the construction is going according to plan. We'll chat with the, the contractors and the subs and the client. So we have meetings constantly. I'm on the phone constantly. Um, so the majority of my day is actually communication and not design. Yeah. The majority of my week. Um, and so it is, again, it's communication with the client, with vendors, with my team, with my clients constantly. So yeah. if you are poor at communication and you're considering being an interior designer, um, one, work on your communication skills. And two, maybe you don't own your own business. Maybe you work for someone else yeah. because communication is everything, everything, everything. Follow-up is everything, everything, everything. Then once I've done all my communication, now I've got to follow up with wherever that information needs to go. On the 10 different projects that you've got yeah. all your fingers in. Yes. So, but we, you know, we do floor plans and and we have several different kinds of 
services available. So I might also be meeting clients for the first time. I have um, on my website two days a week designated for client calls. Anybody who's interested in new projects and working with us, I have calls on my calendar twice a week. They can sign up directly on my website for a time to chat and um, meet new clients, potential new clients um, and walk their homes and things like that. So there's a lot of different things that we do in a day. And so on any given day, pick a combination of all those things and it's, it's being done. But the number one thing is communication all day, every day. I love it. What about for the interior designers that you've hired onto your team that are doing probably the bulk of the actual designing? How much time do you think that they spend as a percentage, would you say, of their day just doing designing, not doing all the communication and administrative other types of tasks? Uh, probably less than half. Okay. That's fair enough. So much communicating so much, because again, let's say they're shopping for a chair, right. And that's going in the corner of a a large master bedroom. They now have to reach out to that vendor and say, what is the cost? Can I get specs on that? Can I get some samples of the fabric and the wood finish and whatever it is? So even their job includes a ton of communication. Then not only that, but now they've got to communicate to me. Here's Here's what I found for the design. Do you think it works? Yes. You know, so it is literally, even they do a ton of communicating every single day. That's fair enough. No, I love, I love that you've really painted that picture because that's what I would imagine it having, you know, 10 years of experience just in all these different jobs. Most jobs are that most jobs are a lot of meetings, a lot of communication, a lot of checking in back and forth with different, you know, all the different stakeholders, vendors, owners, employers, clients, every single person. And that's the work that you're doing that's unique to your position is usually less than half of it, but you can still, you know, enjoy it. So that's really helpful. And I think something unique too, that I do on my team is I, I don't want my designers to be disconnected from our reps and vendors. Yeah. So I actually give them opportunity to build relationships with our reps, our vendors, our showrooms, our workrooms, and our clients. So um, they're really kind of involved. They're not just here to design. Mm-hmm. Um, my business is about building relationships. And the Lord told me when I started my business, if you build relationships, I will build your business. And so it's important to me that the, even the designers on my team also are up to speed with our reps and vendors and all those kinds of things so that I could send them out to pick up samples or, you know, do things for me that I can't be in all the places at once. So building relationships for them is also key in our company. Yeah. I love it. One more follow-up question to kind of put a book into that. Are there any other duties that you can think of that maybe people wouldn't realize as part of the job hmm. or have we covered it all? Have we pretty That's much covered? Um, we haven't covered it all. Hmm. That's a good question. My designers never just like sit in their office and work at their computers all day. I have them out and about. So they may be picking up samples. I mean, you're, they're like also an errand runner, right? So like my designers are also out picking up samples or delivering things, um, popping over to a client's house to do measurements, um, going in somewhere to take photographs, popping in and chatting with a contractor. So they really are an extension of me. So if you're signing up for interior design and you think you're going to just do designs all day, you're not, you're, you're really, really not. And so if that's the idea that you have in mind, it's not the reality of the industry and the yeah. position itself. It's just not the reality. Uh, a fun part of it is that you also though get to be a part of like the photo shoots and um, networking events and meetings and, and like just the fun part of, of the industry as well. But I'll have to think on that. And if I think of something. No, that's, that, that's a good answer. I feel like that, that really know. answers it for us. So Lindsay, talk to me a little bit about the business side of it. Talk to me about marketing. How do you find clients? That's a good question. And you know, I think every designer has got to find what works best for them because this is not an industry where like one size fits all by any means. So I'll give you some examples. I'm not just going to talk about my own business. I'll tell you where I get my clients, but I also am in great communication network with a lot of other clients. So for example, I have a design friend who's, father was a a home builder. So she grew up in the industry. Like she came out of the womb 
like hammering nails and, right. and building homes. So she went to school for interior design naturally. And right out of the gates before she was even 30 has like a 15 person team. Cause it was just like in the cards for her to do this. So she knew every builder in the industry. She started teaming up with them. Her, she had a reputation that her father had passed down to her. So for her, she's never had to market a day in her life. Um, I have another designer friend who like me did not uh, get educated in the industry, she, but she was a business owner, um, award-winning designer. She's amazing. Um, but she has just really built her business off of her social media presence. Um, and that has been like where people have seen her is on social media. And that's where people find her. She's, she's almost like this personality in yeah. that realm. Right. And so she gets people that way. I know a lot of clients who've just, maybe they started out, graduated and their parents' neighbor needed some help decorating or, you know, just things like that. And it just all kind of stemmed from word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, I also know other designers who they were in parallel industries. Like I have a, a design friend, she was in the fashion industry for years and years and years. So when she transitioned into design, she was a well-established name. So when she went into design to make homes beautiful instead of clothing, it was an easy transition to her. And she already had this following. And so instead of creating clothes for people, she was now working in their homes. For me personally, because I wasn't in the industry, I didn't have any connections in this world or anything like that. It was for me, it was creating an online presence and maintaining consistency in my online presence and, and just networking and building relationships. So I would say that the majority of my business, people find me online. They've, they've either Googled me or where I've been recommended on like a mom group on Facebook because maybe I've worked with someone in that neighborhood. And so someone else is asking in the group, um, Hey, does anybody know of a designer and, and a client will refer me, or I'm in there also chatting with people. But the majority of what I do is because I've met people face to face. Yes. And because I have an online presence now for all those designers out there who don't need an online presence. Oh, Lord bless you. Um, a lot of them have even started <laughs> their business before social media was even alive, right? right. It didn't exist. So they're, they're the only way to build their business was by word of mouth and human connection. And they built the business on there. And now, you know, they've been in the industry for 30 and 40 years, right? So I imagine that my business in 30 and 40 years will be the same way. But today, having only been in four years, it, it's- That's how you have to start pretty much. Yeah. Because of my online presence. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Lindsay, I want to pick up on something else that you mentioned before. You kind of said math and science, and we talked a little bit about the software. I know for some personalities, they hear the word math and they're instantly like, oh, not for me. I Nope, I will never do this. What level of math is actually required? Obviously, you're doing measurements, maybe a little bit of geometry, but I would imagine that the software takes care of a lot of that. Is that right? Or is do you have to have kind of a mathematical mind to do this? You do have to have a mathematical mind. So for example, and, and you know what, there, there is software that does a lot of the things for us. So let's just say, for example, that I'm in a home and I'm out measuring and I've got, you know, the dimensions of my space and I, you know, stick it into my space planner. It's going to tell me the square footage of the space. But now what I need to do is calculate how, so let's say we're, we're putting either tile or wood flooring down into this space, I need to calculate how much, how many square feet goes into that space with the overage. So, you know, that we always account for 10 to 15, sometimes even 20, depending on the product um, amount overage for our products when we're ordering so that if it arrives broken or if it's damaged, you know, during installation or whatever, we've got some extra that we can work with, especially if it's a precious, you know, item that you need that wiggle room. So I would say, I mean, we do a ton of simple addition, subtraction and multiplication all day long, literally all day. It's, it's constant, but on the business side of things, you know, I also need to calculate my margins, my profit profits, you know, uh, keeping a running track of my business expenses and things like that. So that math gets a lot trickier when I'm in. That <laughs> I've taken accounting. I, I know what that's all about. <laughs> yes. So, so that math gets a lot trickier. Um, you know, so as far as the you know, level of math that I'm not really sure because any of it can be learned. Yes. Um, so yeah, of course, geometry and, you know, all those kinds of things. Now, if you're hearing this and you're like, I'm not good at math and this is hard for me, it's, it's a lot of math, but it's not difficult math to learn. Yes. So don't ever feel like, well, I could never do it because I don't have a strong math background or I haven't taken a lot of math classes or, you know, whatever. So first of all, 
it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So it, yeah, we're constantly doing a lot of the same thing. So even if it takes a minute for you to pick it up, it is a repetitive equation that you're using to learn and you can learn it very, very quickly. Yeah. That's comforting. Yeah. <laughs> Lindsay, you talked a little bit about um, contractors. How often are you guys pulling like actual floor plans or like blueprints? Are you guys really working in the nitty gritty with that? Or is that something that you kind of cast the vision and then hand it to a contractor? How involved is that process? Uh, it's very involved. And okay. our projects were, were very, very involved um, from the beginning to end. So, and, you know, talking about blueprints and floor plans and things like that, you know, so when there's an art, let's just talk, you know, a new construction for a second, right? Sure. So when there's new construction, you've got the designer, you've got the architect and you've got the builder. So, you know, we're casting vision for the space. We communicate that after several meetings with the clients to the architect and the architect then creates those plans. And once everybody signs off on those plans, then those get passed off to the builder to execute those plans. Let's say a client already has blueprints for the home that the architect has already created the blueprints and the floor plans will come in and we'll, a lot of times edit those because a lot of times architects and builders, they're not thinking with the client in mind. They're just thinking, I know how to create the space based off of the maybe specs that you've told me. You want this many bathrooms, this many bedrooms, this many living spaces and whatever. And they can create it off of that, but they're maybe not thinking functionally for the client, how they're going to live day to day. And that's where we come in. So I yes. like to ask my clients very specific questions about how they live on a day-to-day -day basis, um, especially if they've got a large family like yours. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of people using those spaces. Those need to be multifunctional. They need to be able to transform and morph into something from day to night, from, you know, just our family to holidays, entertaining and, you know, those kinds of things. Right. The, the architect and the builder doesn't think of those things. So that's where we really come in. So we're very hands-on from beginning to end of the project. And yes, we do deal with floor plans and architectural plans and things like that. Now we are not architects. So if you come to me and you say, I want an 8,000 square foot home, I cannot, we legally cannot create those spaces for you. The city would not sign off on those right. because we are not architects. So um, for something like that big of a project, there's always going to be an architect involved. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, we do work very closely with the architect and then the builder or contractor to execute those plans. Interesting. Yes. Lindsay, what do you feel like is the most challenging part of the job? And this would be different for everybody. So like, sure. again, if you heard math before, you're like, oh my gosh, that might be the most difficult part for me is the <laughs> math. Um, it, it might be. And, you know, somebody else might say, gosh, I'm not really good at working with hard surfaces and like picking out stone and tile that that might be hard for me. Or, you know, I don't really know the science behind color. And I mean, color is a science yeah. and I might not really know that. And so I, I, I really struggle with that. And again, there's ways that you can learn those things. Um, I would say for me, the, the most difficult part of the job is when, and it's not difficult to the point where like, you know, we can't do it or whatever, but it's, it's difficult in the way that it exhausts you. Um, but is the constant, 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 constant <laughs> follow-up on every little detail of a design. So we don't just like create pretty spaces and, and then we're done. The execution of those designs is so detailed down to the inch, literally, um, yep. that the follow-up on all those things is so precise. And so it's it's just very exhausting because again, it's it's not just, well, I've chosen something and now it's here. It's you know, getting it there, making sure it's in good condition, getting it into the space and all the logistics yeah. of, a, of a design and a project. The logistics of design and project is it's so much more than just we've chosen all these items and if these are going to look great together. You all, you have, now you've got to put them together. So again, it's not difficult in the way where it's, you know, we can't do it right. We do it every day, but it's, it's the most exhausting part of what yeah. we do. And so that makes it the hardest, I think, because it yeah. just really drains you. Yeah. Let's answer the other side of the equation. What's the best part of your work day? What do you look the forward design. to the most? <laughs> the design. <laughs> no, I think for me, um, the, the best part about my day is when I'm first starting with a client, I make sure to spend literally, we do a minimum of two weeks, like introduction. Like this is me getting to know you and what it is that you're looking for. I have an 18 page, 80 plus question questionnaire. I have every one of my clients fill out um, because I really want to get to know the client so that when I go to put the design together, 
I feel like I can really grasp the vision they're going for. So the favorite part for me is then when I go to present that design and the client is like, you nailed it. Like you are literally on the inside of my dreams and my mind right now. Like there's no way you could have known some of these specific things that I didn't think to even bring up that are- I love it. So it's like a psychology puzzle almost. You get to really dig into what makes people tick. I love it. Yes. And so it's funny that you say- you know, psychology, because there, there is certainly a psychology part to getting to know your client and working with your client and um, meeting the needs of every kind of personality under the sun. Um, Not every client, you can't just run every project the same because every client's not the same and every personality is not the same and every person's needs are not the same and, you know, all those kinds of things. But yeah, so I feel like we spend a lot of time um, really getting to know our clients. And I mean, I can't tell you the last time a client revised a design because I spent so much time trying to find out what it is that they want. So Try to get I it right the first time by yes. putting in the legwork yes. up front. I love yes. that. Now there are revisions, you know, yeah. like let's say for example, by the time I go to order, it's no longer available. It's discontinued. There's one item they say, you know, could we get this in a different color or, you know, something like that. Yeah, right? Some There's- stuff comes up and you have to pivot. Yeah, for sure. But, um, but yeah, so my favorite is always like client going like you nailed it. And that makes me feel good because I, I knew that I went into the project relationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first thing on my mind was, was to do a good job for my client, um, through relating to them on the front end about what it is that they really wanted and how they wanted to use their space. Yeah. Well, and knowing you a little bit, Lindsay, that is something that you are masterful yeah. at. You really do have just people skills in spades. So yeah, Yeah. take that as advice. Really, really work on your soft skills, your people skills. People want to work with people that they like, that they trust and that they feel is competent to do the job that like, and it's, it's just so, so important, no matter what you're doing, soft skills. It's true. And you know, in this industry, it's, well, I, you know, I guess actually a lot of industries, it's very competitive, right? So Mm -hmm. not to say that our industry itself is competitive or very collaborative, industry. Um, and so we don't ever feel like I'm competing against another designer or anything like that. But when a client's going to do a project, they are, they're, they're going to shop around, right? So they're going to talk to three or four different designers. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm never going to be the cheapest one. Never. I'm I'm never going to be the cheapest one. As a matter of fact, we're probably usually the highest one. Um, but people hire me because of me and because of the way I made them feel during our initial conversation. Mm -hmm. And again, I have a really well-run business and they recognize that immediately. Um, and when I talk about the amount of time that we're going to spend up front talking about their project and getting to know them, um, I think that's something that probably not a lot of people are doing. I don't care what your industry is. Right. And, um, it separates you from, from the pack for for sure. sure. For sure. Yeah. So I only have a few questions left because I feel like even even though I have a long list of questions, I feel like we've we've been able answer to answer them. <laughs> yeah, so many different ways. Um, let's see. Talk to me about the stressful aspects of the job. We talked about like what's the constant communication. How do you deal with the stress of the job? This is actually an incredibly high stress industry. Hmm. Incredibly high stress industry because it's very detailed. And yeah. also we are handling people's millions of dollars. Yeah. Right. In, in a place like home is such a vulnerable, intimate place for every person. And it can't be ignored. It can't be ignored. And so when they're investing their millions of dollars into their spaces and by millions, I'm just saying like all the clients collectively, um, and some people just individually spend Mm -hmm. millions. Right. But when we're managing people's hard earned millions of dollars to create a space for them, that's intimate and personal. Um, there's just a stress that comes with that period, right? Because you want to do a good job for them. But every aspect of our business is actually very stressful. So I talked about the math, you know, several Mm -hmm. times now. So this is what's stressful about the math. So let's just say that we've calculated how much product that we need, you know, for a home. If I get that calculation wrong, and we don't have enough, and we've ordered it, and we get it in, and they're installing it, and there's not enough, I've backed up the project. Mm-hmm. I've cost the client more money and time and perhaps out of their home, right? Like they're being kicked out of their home during a renovation or something. Right. Um, and I run the risk of the product not being available to order more of, um, perhaps it's discontinued or there's just no more of it right now. It's on back order or whatever. It's very costly for everyone involved. This actually just happened to me about a month ago, month and a half ago, we put in cabinets for a brand new kitchen. And I did the uh, design for the cabinets. We got the hardware and the hardware did not fit 
physically into the design. And I had to have the cabinet front remade out of my own pocket because the measurement that of the, the knob that actually touches the cabinet, there was no way for me to get that measurement. Wow. You know, I, they only will say that the knob is one and three fourths inches long, but there was no way for me to get the measurement of the little tiny part that actually touches a cabinet that gets screwed in. Well, that didn't fit in the cabinet fronts. Oh, so nice. out of my own pocket, I had to pay for all the cabinet fronts, the drawers to get redone so that these could fit. So math is so important. Um, and it was a risk that I took to not know. And there was no way I ever thought that it would not have fit in there. Right. And I guessed wrong. And it was costly to me. So you know? we're here and measure twice and cut yes. once that yes. over and over and over measure again. Measure a million times yep. and then, you know, install once, cut once. But that is a very stressful part of the job. Um, I think the other thing that's really stressful is when a client is living inside their home during a remodel or a renovation. There's dust everywhere. There's noise everywhere. They're displaced. Their kitchen is in their master closet there, you know, so it's very stressful to know that your client is living in this place and they just want things to be done quickly and, and we can't rush the process and we certainly can't get things here quicker. That's very stressful. It's very, very stressful when things aren't showing up when they're supposed to be showing up when we've got vendors not doing what they say they're going to do. I had a delivery driver drag a rug across um, the driveway into the client's home and it tore it up completely. So we had to get it reordered. It was out of stock. It took a year to come in, um, just things like that (laughs) really stressful. And so, and the thing about that is a lot of the things in this industry are completely out of your control. Yep. So much of what we do is out of our control. You can do everything perfectly and there can still be unforeseen issues that come up that you couldn't account for. There's no way to account for them. There's no way. So many things are out of our control. I mean, the majority of what's happening on a project is outside of our control. And guess what? Right now in the environment we're in right now, eight times out of 10, it's going wrong. Like it's horrible. It's very stressful industry to be in right now and, and dealing with clients. And then you've got clients calling you who, you know, they say that, you know, things are showing up broken and now you're having to like reconcile all these broken damaged things and things like that. So anyways, there, there's a lot of stress in this industry. It is a very, very stressful industry. I have great boundaries on my time. Like once five o'clock hits, I'm not working beyond that. Right. Like I, I have very strict boundaries on my time. I'm not going to work on the weekend. You're not going to call me at six o'clock. And I let my clients know that up front because it's so stressful that I have got to decompress at the Because if you didn't set those boundaries, it would be a 24 seven job because there's always something more to follow up on. There's always something more to do. So it is actually a very, very stressful industry. And not only that, but again, you know, even when you're handling products, it's, it's just stressful to have kind of things in your ownership, you know, that don't really belong to you, Um, you know, and just things like that and and carrying them around in your car or driving around with them can be stressful. So it is a very high stress industry for sure. Well, and, and being the one that owns the business as well, you know, there's that extra added bit of liability and all this stuff that comes with that. And responsibility. I take on a lot, yep. I take on a lot of liability. So you got to make sure you've got good liability insurance. <laughs> what percent of people do you think are self-employed or, you know, have a company where they hire other people? And what percent do you think actually work for someone else? Do you have any sense of what that grid looks like? Yeah, I do. I would say probably 20% are business owners okay. and 80% probably work for someone else, maybe 30, 70. But I would say that the majority of interior designers are creatives. They consider himself a creative uh-huh. and an entrepreneur is usually not. So like a designer is usually highly like right-brained uh-huh. uh, and a business owner is, is either very balanced or more left-brained. So I would say that the majority of interior designers work for a company and, and do not own their own. Perfect. Lindsay, let's talk about money before we uh, finish up here, because that's an important part of the discussion. What do you think is a realistic compensation range for somebody who's just starting out, you know, early career? And then what about middle career? What What's possible late career? Can you talk yeah. to all three of those? And this is, of course, going to be different, whether you're working for someone or you are running your own business, right? So these are, these are there's differences there. But I would say just kind of maybe industry average, Mm -hmm. you may start, like, let's say you're fresh out of college or you're new to design or you don't have a lot of experience. I would say fresh out of college, you could probably start around Mm $40,000 a year as a full-time designer 
somewhere 50 if it's a if it's a really well-known bigger company they yeah. would probably start you out around 50 so that would be kind of like your junior designer pay once you've got some education under your belt and just some experience under your belt and you've worked your way up to a senior designer you know you can make anywhere from 80 to $120,000 a year as a senior designer easily in the industry and then of course if you're the principal designer or the owner you know you're easily in the multiple six figures you know for depends on how much business you're bringing in at that point yes. It's, it's yes. a lot more about that, I would think. Yeah. And so on my team, I do something actually really unique on my team is I don't just have a yearly salary, but I, you know, I have the potential for growth that's limitless as, as a business owner. Yeah. And I never want to, I want my designers and anyone on my team just to have that same sense of ownership. So I actually offer a yearly salary plus commission and any project that they bring to the table, they can make a percentage of. So that they also have the ability to grow their income and think like a business owner in that way. And really they can, they can make as much money as they want. And probably keeps people on your, on your team too. Yes. It, I don't know anybody else doing that in the industry. I, I've never even heard of someone in our industry doing that. I'm not saying that they're not. I've just, I no one Seems that I know like is rare. Yeah. doing that. Yeah, it probably is. But again, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur minded person. And so I want to give opportunity to people on my team yeah. um, to be able to think like that as well and to train them up into that and, and to think like that and take yeah. some ownership because I think that that's can be exciting for someone, especially someone new, you know, the designer on my team, she's only 24. Um, so she's very young and she has the opportunity to easily double her salary easily double her salary and it would wow. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, yeah, I love providing those opportunities, but I would say starting out, you could start, you 40 know, 40 to 50, 50, yeah. you know, as a senior designer between 80 and, and 120 and, you know, principal designer or business owner, you know, there's, there's multiple hundreds of dollars, hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars to be made. Yeah. Yeah. That's sure. awesome. All right. Two questions left for you. Uh, I want to hit this one. What do you wish that you knew about the job or the industry when you were first starting out? Like if you could, go in a time machine, talk to Lindsay, who's first starting out and give her some tips. What would you tell her? I would say, girl, you better get your math brain on. I know I've talked <laughs> about this a lot, but I was not expecting to have to, because I didn't really know much about the industry. I was not expecting to have to use as much math as I did. Not that it's a problem. I enjoy running my own books. I know a lot of designers who, because they're not math minded, will have someone else run their books for them and they'll have their own bookkeeper. I like running my own books because I like the math of that. I just didn't realize I would have that much. And two, I think, I think again, when people look at the industry, I think they think it's this very glamorous industry to be in. And I'm going to go to all these parties and I'm going to design all these really great spaces and I'm going to work. The final product maybe, but the process, not so much. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about the process. Yeah. And I wish I had known, and not that I would have changed my mind whether or not to get into the industry, but I would have had a, a clearer expectation. I, I mean, I never in a million years would have thought I wouldn't be designing all day, every day. You know, I just thought, you know, I'm going to get into design so that I can design all day, every day. That's not what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the point of this podcast. That's why yeah. we're doing a peek behind the curtain, trying to yep. get an idea of like, oh, this is what you're doing all day. And yes. it doesn't necessarily steer you away, but it's, if it does, that's probably a good thing because yeah. then you it know, is. and you don't have if to waste not, all that time and energy and resources. Yes. A hundred percent. If you're not ready for the responsibility of this industry, don't get into it. Cause here's the other thing too, is you've got to be ready to take on responsibility for a mistake that you've made that's very costly. Yeah, big projects. Huge projects, right? So like if you, let's just say you're in a designer and you're on a team and your your principal designer or the owner of that company is, is relying on you for measurements of a space. Um, and let's say you get that wrong and, and it costs the owner $5,000. You better be ready to like take responsibility for that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it can be, you've got to, there's, there's a lot on your shoulders in this industry, a lot weighing on your shoulder, especially the owner of the company. And there's a lot of liability involved with this. Like I said, we're, we're managing people's millions of dollars yeah. and, um, it's not, it's weighty, right? That's a, it's a heavy responsibility to have. You've got to be ready for it. This is not a fluff job. Job. This is not, you know, there's nothing floofy about it. There's nothing like dream. It's almost construction adjacent in a way, you know, you're kind of doing that, you know, like it's not, it isn't construction, but it's kind yeah. of a lot of the same skills that go into it. And then, yeah. but obviously you're bringing the design eye, the finished product, yes. the, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. Interior design is also not DIY. 
right? Yeah. Like I don't do a single thing myself. I don't hang a picture myself. I don't hang a mirror. I don't put up your curtains. I don't, I mean, I don't do anything myself. We hire everyone for everything. So if you're a DIY person, like, and that's something you really want to do, you're not an interior designer, you're a DIY influencer yeah. and like, go start. Which is totally a, okay, you know. but it's different. Yeah, it's totally yeah. okay. It's a hundred percent okay, but it's very different. So we don't do a single thing ourselves. I don't hammer anything, I'm not stripping wallpaper off walls. I'm not painting <laughs> anything. I don't do none. I, you know, I don't do any of that. Now there's a very physical part to my job when we're managing products and things like that. And we're inspecting things and all that. And when we're doing installation days and stuff, but we are not DIYers. And if that is a niche that you feel like you have, and then go be an influencer and a social media personality as a DIY person, it's yeah. not, that's not interior design. Um, none of us do any of those things ourselves. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Lindsay, we made it to the finish line. So I've got my final, final question for you. What's the best practical advice you would give to someone who wants to do what you do? Let's say a college student, 20 year old is coming in to your office and is like, Hey, is this for me? What advice, what resources, books, anything, what would you give yeah. to them? So I, two things, and I had mentioned one of these earlier is if there's a local designer in your area who will let you kind of do like a little mini, like one week internship, um, where you can really ask questions about the day to day. I think that's crucial because a lot, I think a lot of people get into name the industry and it's not what they expected. And then they end up not using their degree because they did, they got into something they didn't know. And then two, I would say, figure out whether you want to own your own business or you want to work for someone else, because yes. those are two very different avenues. And if it's, if you realize I really do want to work for myself, then you've also got to go heavy hitting. Like, let's say you're in college, heavy hitter on the business classes also. And you may even want to do a double major, right? Where you're getting a business degree and an interior design degree, because there's so much, if you're owning your own business, like you own a business, right? Yeah, you you're wearing doing, two different hats at least. Yeah. Right. Like we're not talking about like, Oh, I did a little project and they're going to Venmo me. Right. Like that's not what, that's not what this is. <laughs> you know, you've got to pay sales tax and franchise tax and um, income tax and employees. Like, right. So like when you're really owning your own business, you got to learn how to pay yourself and pay your own taxes and all those kinds of things. So it's a lot more involved. So if you are wanting to have your own business, you also need to be business savvy. You cannot just think that you're going to do this as a hobby working for yourself and be successful. Now, if you really just want to do this as a hobby to make some extra money, okay, that's that's another thing, but if you want to be a serious business owner as an interior designer, get some business classes under your belt for sure. Great advice. Lindsay, thank you so much. I think this episode is going to be great. I can't wait to release it. Yes. Well, I have a question for you. Sure. <laughs> um, based off of our conversation, if people asked you I'm considering being an interior designer. What do you think? <laughs> right, <so laughs> how would you advise them? You're asking me how well I paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I would reiterate what you had said about like, I, this is my personality. I, I actually, maybe this isn't a good thing. I look at all the negatives first and then I'm like, if I'm okay with the negatives, yeah. then I'm like, okay, let's look at the positives. So I, depending on my personality, I, I would, I would ask them about like, okay, well, what are your interests? Are you okay with, you know, a lot of communication? Are you okay with a lot of back and forth? Do you like the details? Because this is going to be a really, really detailed job. And so I would ask for a specific, you know, I would ask about their personality and then I would see, um, are you okay with the negatives? Because here's the positives. And um, that's, that's how I would frame pretty much any question. So the answer is yes. I think it, it sounds like it's a great industry to be in provided you have the right personality. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for having me on Jameson. I enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks for listening to the What's That Job Like podcast. Two quick things. One, please subscribe and review the show. It takes less than a minute and it does a ton to help. Two, I would love your feedback. Is there a certain career you want to hear from, a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or anything else? Let me know. My email is jameson at whatsthatjoblike.com. Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-O-N at whatsthatjoblike.com. That is also where you can email me if you are interested in being a guest on my show. I am rapidly trying to get hundreds of interviews because I think that's how this whole project will come together and help as many people as possible. So again, please subscribe and I'll catch you next time. Thank you.